Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you in the Leslie Marshall Show family. If you want to join the conversation, and I hope you will, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or you can join the conversation on Twitter at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle with one L, Jawando. So guys, I can not believe it but we actually had the first time and you you know I have a problem calling him president we actually saw 45 yesterday pretend to be presidential <laughs> and what a sight it was to see and it is so interesting how low the bar has been uh, f- has fallen I would say completely on the ground for him to get accolades that filled every paper this morning and so th- today you know my Leslie Marshall listeners that the first thing that I was going to do was want to get right into that and to join me in this conversation is a first timer on our show so we'll be nice to him uh, but none other than John Neffinger he is the communications director at the Democratic National Committee so I think he has quite a few things to say about last night you can find him on twitter at n-e-f-f-i-n-g-e-r you know one of the things john that i thought was just very interesting is immediately <laughs> interesting, huh? after okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be really nice it's right. the first day of it's lent good. i went to nice. church I'm, right. I'm trying i'm, I'm really i'm really good. trying yeah. um you know politico said early polls indicated that trump's speech was a hit with viewers 76 percent of viewers approved of the speech mm-hmm. and 82 percent of it 82 percent of their listeners found that it was presidential mm-hmm I mean, was it because he read a right. speech off a teleprompter? Yeah, I think oh, that's okay. it. I, okay. I mean, I'm just checking. Right. Just... He, so this look, we all have seen this guy up and close. Well, God, it's not just been a month, right? It's been a month, but before that, it's been month after month after month of all <laughs> kinds of obscenities and lies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but you know what? 
people want to see him put that all behind him. They want to see that we have a president in the Oval Office. They, you know, you, you just rest easier at night mm-hmm. if you think that we're not actually in a national crisis. <laughs> and so it, it was very much a relief, I think, to a lot of people to see him be able to pull it off, at least fake it, right? At least, at least you fake know, it for an make hour, it. Okay. right? You okay. Know, just stand all up right. there and that's, sound like a president. That's what it is. You know, I, and I think while it was obviously a noticeable difference in tone, what I thought was really interesting was Tom Perez's tweet on yesterday mm-hmm. was, you know, it was a nicer tone, but it was the same kind of Trump mm-hmm. Bannon agenda, but mm-hmm. just wrapped in a smile. Absolutely. Um, and I think when you get down to the substance, he didn't say anything that he hasn't been saying uh-huh. for the last few months. That's right. It just was, he was calm, I think. Yes, he was smiling <laughs> instead of snarling. Right. And, and that's an improvement. And people were happy to see that improvement. And so I don't think that we should mistake that for oh, you know, everybody loves Donald Trump now. Mm-hmm. I do think we've seen, if you've, if you've been tracking his poll numbers the way we do mm-hmm. at the DNC, because we're in this sort of pitched battle every day with him, what we saw was that he, when he came into office, at least according to Gallup, and there are different polls with different numbers, but mm-hmm. what you want to do is pick one poll and then follow it over time to mm-hmm. get the best sense of, of what's really going on. So when he walked into the office just a little over a month ago, though it feels like much, much longer oh, than that. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so <laughs> anyway, so he he was he was at 45% favorable right. 45% unfavorable mm-hmm. even steven mm-hmm. and it just went down and down and down from there until it's sort of at the the fever pitch of the muslim ban mm-hmm. um, where he was 18 points underwater now he's he's like come off that recovered mm-hmm. a little bit um, last i looked he was 12 points down and i think he'll probably come up a little he'll bit get from a bump this from too yesterday yeah but mm-hmm. you know what guess what's going to happen saturday night live is going to happen I and know. then that <laughs> promise about not dealing with you know trivial things that'll fly out the window and right. he's going to introduce a budget and then it, it's it's going to be back to business as well, usual what does it say about us mm-hmm. um, as as americans that you know we are so easily swayed is it <laughs> is it a appealing to kind of our better selves. Mm -hmm. You know, I appreciate how you started this conversation that, you know, at our core, the American people want to have some confidence Mm -hmm. in who they put in the White House. Mm but it just seems so simplistic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen, you know, whether you're reading Facebook or Twitter today um, or even the papers, people are saying, well, you know, he, he still said he's going to deport millions of um, undocumented people. Of and our neighbors, yeah. Set, and throw away families. Yep. And, you know, he's going to bring law enforcement into communities and, and he's going to take away health care to over 22 million Americans. I mean, he still some, said some that. Some of whom will die, yeah. by the way. No, when you without do that. question. That's, that's how that works yeah and yeah. so it's just you know what does it say that we, we we just want you to be articulate when you when you make these promises to kind of destroy the fabric of our country as we know it yeah well I, I really appreciate the way you started this conversation hmm, because the uh, the lowered bar I think yeah. is exactly what we're dealing with here yeah. with the the phrase the soft bigotry of low expectations got kicked around our office <laughs> I, a little I bit love this George morning Bush right all yeah, of a sudden. I know right this I miss like so George eloquent. okay I miss George <laughs> 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 yeah. So, but that's exactly it. That's how far we've fallen. How far the bar has fallen. They've. Mm-hmm. You can think about this in other ways. Working the refs. Right. 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 Like right. Anything at this point, any kind of lifeline to normalcy. Yeah. Um, is deeply appreciated because yeah. we're rattled as a country. 
uh, right now. So I think to some degree that's part of the strategy, right? This is a relatively uh, high-profile moment where mm-hmm. it's politically good for him to not seem like a maniac. And sure enough, he did manage to pull that off just by you know looking out of the corner of his eye at the teleprompter and muttering his way through it all night. It, there was nothing right. particularly tough about that performance. And the fact that people graded him like anybody else mm-hmm. in any other situation. Right, right. I mean, just speaking as a as a speech coach, and it's not because it's a, <laughs> a technically, uh, uh, you know, uh, inside baseball thing. Anybody else you saw standing there like that, looking out of the corner of his eye, be like, he's terrible. Somebody needs to teach him to use a teleprompter or whatever. Right. Nobody right. cares. Right. Nobody not cares. That's right. fine. Right. That's fine. You need to, that's not a problem. It's, that's it's okay, all, Mr. Trump. It's yeah. Donald. Uh, it's fine. That's right. That's um, exactly it. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting is at some level, I wanted to see, you know, all of the members of the House caucus get up and Mm -hmm. turn their backs Mm -hmm. to the president Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, there there was a noticeable boo or groan Mm -hmm. or laugh, actually, at different points in the speech, particularly when he said he was draining the swamp. I think that was just hilarious. Um, And it was a natural reaction, like when everybody (laughs) laughed, which I thought was great. It was a spontaneous Um, guffaw. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, But but were we mad enough? You know, I I just think back to being in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And watching from, you know, for our listeners, they know uh, I was with Senator Gillibrand from New York for many years. And I remember being in the office waiting for the boss to come back from the floor when Joe Wilson screamed out, you lie. Yeah. And and I I, I clutched I literally clutched the pearls. I can hear Um, the pearls. I clutched the pearls. And 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 I think at some level I kind of wanted to see that. Were we mad enough yesterday? Right, Right. It's a great question. And, you know. It is such a divided country, more yeah. and more all the time with this guy. And and so as representatives, and that is what our politicians yeah. are, that is their yeah. job, is to yeah. represent us. And and as our representatives, it's tough because you, you do want to give voice to that sentiment, to all the people at home who are watching their television and yelling and throwing things yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> to the point where, Mom, I'm talking to you. I can't even hear what he's saying anymore. Can you? Yeah, just keep it. Yeah. Mom. Um, but, but you're also, of course, trying to do this strategically. And yeah. I think strategically last night was about, I mean, certainly the Trump people thought last night mm-hmm. was about all the people who are sort of halfway paying attention. Um, and they've seen all these headlines that there's problems and there's trauma. And maybe they were going to tune in and watch him and sort of take their measure of the guy for themselves. And you know what? What he did last night was not crazy. Yeah. It didn't resemble anything else he's been doing the rest of his presidency. But what he said last night on its face, with some exceptions, let's, you know, the voice program, V-O-I, I mean, like some of it, that was one of those spontaneous groans that you talked about. Yeah, right. Um, So, yes, some of it was was evidently awful. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, he he did the thing that presidents do They're and, and to do. pointed to the war widow in the in the balcony and mm-hmm. gave her due respect. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he did. He went through the motions and, he, you know, at least as an MC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the moment. Fine. So if we then register strong disapproval to that, then we're the ones who look nutty. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And this no, is, you know, the sort of long term Republican strategy. Part of it has been. And this is on everything from day to day communications, even to extending really deep into substance issues like mm-hmm. economics or mm-hmm. healthcare or whatever mm-hmm. is they find enough people with expertise with real credentials or who at least can talk 
like they have real credentials, mm-hmm. to muddy the waters on thing after thing after thing. And yeah. what that means is that we we as progressives know that we're right and we have the white paper and right. we have the facts and we've got <laughs> we it all lined data. up and damn it, and you need to sit and listen to this and eat your vegetables because it's good for you. Right. And that's not how people make decisions. Yeah. How yeah. people actually make decisions is on a gut level by sizing somebody up. Mm-hmm. And, and because we're so attached to that other thing, that's how they get guys like this into office into in the office. first place because he's speaking at a visceral level. He's feeling people's pain and yep. people go, all right, fine. We'll give him a chance. Yep. All right. If you are joining us, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm in studio with John Neffinger, communications director at the DNC. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Kevin DeLeon as well. John's going to stick around and we'll talk about the future of the Democratic Party. We're going to look forward here. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. We'll be back after the break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Michelle Juwanto on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. And if you want to join the conversation, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or join the conversation on Twitter at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle with one L. I'm back in studio with my guest, John Neffinger. He is the communications director at the DNC. You can find him on Twitter at N-E-F-F-I-N-G-E-R. And we are pleased to join for this segment none other than Kevin DeLeon. He is the president pro tem at the California State Senate representing District 24. Um, He has, without question, emerged as one of those leaders of the future of the Democratic Party um, and has particularly taken an interest on making sure that questions around education and equity uh, around low-wage workers that that comes to the front of the forefront of the state Senate. So we are pleased to welcome Kevin DeLeon. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? Thank you so much for an incredible uh, uh, introduction of my person. No problem. Look, I'm happy to take the show on the road, and we can make sure we give you that intro wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, I, I'll, I'll this much. I'm incredibly honored to be uh, on the airways with you today and with your other special guest, uh, John from the DNC. That's right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you joined because, you know, quickly, um, I, I have worked in the past with Governor Bashir um, from Kentucky. Kentucky, who gave the response, the Democratic response, which is always a really tough thing to do, right? Um, You know, we've seen it take its toll on a lot of different careers. But I think that one of the questions on Twitter that emerged very quickly was, well, where is the future of the party? Like, was it too much of a look back? And I think, you know, many people put you in the conversation as part of the leaders and the voices that we need to elevate. You know, what was your response um, to uh, to the Democratic response last evening? And what do you say to people who talk about, are we doing enough to put uh, different voices at the forefront of the party? 
Well, there's a couple things I'd say is that one is that I can speak from a perspective of being a Californian is that here in California, we celebrate diversity because we prosper from it. Uh, we don't exclude it, we don't deport it, and we don't wall it off. Mm-hmm. It's it's an amazing mosaic. It's a, it's a beautiful tapestry of different hues and different ethnicities and people not just from all over the country, but from all over the world. So diversity is a strength uh, for the state of California, and that's why we're the sixth largest economy in the world. And I want to put that in context for mm-hmm. you and your listeners. The largest economy in the world, obviously, is the United States of America uh, as a whole. Uh, number two, it is China. Number three, it's Japan. Number four, it is Germany. And number five, depending on the, the valuation, the sterling is the UK. And, and number six is the great state of California. It's because wow. of diversity, the mosaic richness of who we are as a nation. And in my district alone, I have one million constituents. So I have Koreatown, Chinatown, Filipino town, Thai town, Little Armenia. I have uh, uh, Little Tokyo. I have the largest number of Mexicans outside of the Republic of Mexico in Boyle Heights in East L.A. And I also have uh, the largest uh, number of Central Americans, Guatemalans and Salvadorans outside of Central America. So this is a strength. It is not a weakness. And unlike President Trump that has divided our nation and torn at the fabric of who we are as a nation, uh, we view diversity as an incredible strength for harmonious relationships and also out of self-interest because our economy prospers because of it. Uh, obviously, the, the Democratic Party is, is going through uh, its own internal process of uh, reacting and regrouping from uh, this uh, devastating you know, uh, defeat, no question about it, uh, last November 8th. Uh, but we are a, a, a diverse um, uh, party, and uh, we will reflect that diversity uh, today, tomorrow, and always in, in the future. Wow. Um, you know, John, when, when you hear uh, leaders like Kevin and, um, you know, obviously I think about I put my old boss in this category, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and Kamala Harris from the great state of California. Um, we do have a pretty impressive party. But <laughs> do we do enough to kind of make sure that um, that people see us, that they get an opportunity to touch us? You know, a lot of people said, well, where did Mayor Pete come from and what do we do with him now? You know, right, how, do, right, how, right. how do we continue to do that? I think identifying that next generation of leaders mm-hmm. is a very important task. Mm-hmm. When, when people say Democrat now, I don't even know what comes into their brain. Right, 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 um, right. And it's fantastic to, to be elevating mm. uh, people like Kevin. And by the way, hi, Kevin. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> nice to sort of meet you. Um, uh, but to be holding people up so that they can say, okay, this is what a Democrat looks, looks like. like. Right. And... Um, one of the issues that, you know, I walked in um, the door just to spend the last couple of months with Donna Brazil mm-hmm. um, at the at the DNC headquarters. And, boy, I mean, what's going on there is, you know, there's a whole different thing going on there, right? <laughs> That's a crime scene, that place. Yeah, and everybody yeah, has yeah. a sort of low-level trauma from the Russians yeah. from last year yeah. and all the rest of that. God bless um, you guys. Well, I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, and it, it's not me, but but I, I yeah. definitely will accept that on yeah. behalf of the yeah. folks who were there last year because it was really something else. Um, but, uh, but the, the sense that I get, you know, especially now that I'm wearing the DNC Jersey and I'm reading Mm -hmm. the same, you know, the same social media and same Mm -hmm. media as Mm -hmm. as always before, but it's even more 
poignant uh, for me that people just kind of casually like, oh, yeah, the party stinks mm. kind of thing, right? And and anything that's going wrong in the country, the party should be doing something about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? We want to be. We want to be doing a lot more, of yeah. course. Um, but the the party, in, in terms of the, the central organ, is, is just that. It's a bunch of people there. Um, and But we need to, all of us, identify ourselves as the party and, and all go do it together. Back. We will be right back from the break. Kevin DeLeon and John Neffinger. This is the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Michelle Jawanda. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. Um, if you want to join the conversation, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. A special thanks to our guest last segment, Kevin DeLeon. He was the president pro tem of the California State Senate. We know uh, we will definitely bring Kevin back onto the show and make him a regular of our Leslie Marshall family. I'm really excited about some of the great work he's doing out in the great state of California. I'm happy to still keep it going here in studio. I think John's mom is listening. So hi, mom. I'm going to say hi. Um, John Neffinger, he is the communications director at the DNC. And joining us for this segment is none other than Phil Wogan. He's the managing director of immigration at the Center for American Progress. Um, You can find him and many of the great work of the immigration team by going to check out www.americanprogress.org. So, you know, Phil, I, I wanted to, uh, because there, there was a great moment in the last segment where we really talked about the vibrancy of the Democratic Party um, and the origins of many people in our party come from all over the world. Um, and yet this president yesterday with a smile um, continued to affirm um, this vision, this really dystopian vision of immigrants as threats to this country. You heard a noticeable groan when he announced this new office of victims of immigrants. Uh, it was who like were conniving something. and evil or something. <laughs> yes, I mean it yep. was just I I could not believe it. And what was really frustrating um, and hard for me to see is how you you clearly saw a father in the Whole, uh, in the audience who was grieving mm-hmm. um, but you saw this African American father who was grieving and him trying to I think very slyly and this is probably not him this is probably Bannon again um, uh, as the Saturday Night Live skit shows us um, using this grief of this father to drive a wedge I think between the African American community and the immigrant community forgetting that black people are also immigrants a la Michelle Jawando who you're speaking to now um, and you know so and, and these struggles um, that we really see that this administration painting this picture of immigrants and not really speaking to the to the core of who who we are as a country and as a party and as a nation 
Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, we heard a lot of things on immigrants last night, and none of it was good. I mean, we're not just talking about the parts of, of painting Muslim immigrants as bad. I mean, they talked mm -hmm. about immigrants as criminals across the board. Mm -hmm. And to hear them tell it, we have this serious epidemic, which isn't supported by the FBI's data, with any researchers, anything else. What I think is really going on here is you, you see them trying to create this worldview that will allow them then to crack down on immigration, that will justify the mass deportations that they've already started, and that will justify, we think, really cracking down on legal immigration as well. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot more coming, unfortunately. So, John, how do you prepare for that? You know, how, how I mean, because this is both a, um, you know, we're, we're going to see lawsuits, you know, we're hoping to see the judiciary again stand up. You know, I remind people, uh, I run a program here at CAP called Why Courts Matter, and this is the reason why courts matter. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that component is going to take place, but this is also a cultural conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and just talking to people and mm -hmm. recognizing that immigrants are your neighbors or your friends yeah. or your co-workers yeah. so how do you you know as a communications professional how do you handle this challenge yeah yeah and you're, you're exactly right this is the moment where not that I regret my career decisions but where <laughs> lawyers really are the heroes in this moment right and we're seeing that from the courts but in the comms world it's tough because fear is an easy button to push especially mm. when you have a, a pulpit like the presidency um, now the press is stepping up and pushing back against some of this stuff. Um, much, they didn't do so much of that last year, but this year no. they seem to have, they're, they're really awake and they're on it, which is great to see. Um, the, the way that we try and approach this is to, to it's a little bit of jujitsu, um, but to remind people that we know how to have a regular, safe, normally functioning society. We're, we're going to hold on to that. Um, and that that actually does keep people safe and that does let us function as a community together. And that some of these new measures that are coming down the, the pike, they're actually what's tearing us apart. That's they're right. actually what's endangering us. That's right. Um, and it's it's pretty easy case to make once you start thinking about that. Um, because like you say, the people that we're talking about are our neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, in many cases, they are the family members of American citizens. That's right, um, that's right. And 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 making people fear law enforcement if you when you get law enforcement messengers um, mm -hmm. they're some of the strongest messengers around this because they will tell you that the mm -hmm. way to keep people safe in a community is to build relationships within that community and that gets very hard when people are trying actively diving for the shadows because they're afraid that they're they're going to be deported or whatever else yeah um, and they're not reporting crimes and that's right um, so so the fear card for better or worse yeah uh, the logic of that does work both ways and in fact yeah. the logic of it works in our favor um, but it's it's a tricky it's a tricky message. He, mm -hmm. The the play that Trump and Bannon or whoever you wanna mm -hmm. what's who's that Stephen Miller guy <laughs> our little, right little right right authoritarian friend. <laughs> um, they, that's, that's all that these play illegal that, people are I, voting. They're all voting, God, <laughs> but just not million. enough to make Hillary Clinton. But, but, I mean, <laughs> what I think is yeah. actually most amazing. Uh -huh. Right, he's he's giving this big speech where he's talking about immigrants as criminals that we're gonna go after criminals, criminals, criminals. And yet, I think what's what we're not talking about is the fact that what he's actually doing on immigration is getting rid of that entire focus. What he said is, if you're here without legal status, doesn't matter if you've been here for two decades, doesn't matter if you have kids who are citizens, we don't care, you are now a priority. So instead of doing what we know to be the smart move, which is to focus our limited resources on going after serious threats to our security, he's saying in the last few weeks, 
You know, I'm going to go after a dreamer because he had unpaid parking tickets. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go after a victim of domestic abuse in a courthouse after getting a protective order Mm -hmm. as if that is going to make us safe. And so we can't lose sight of the fact that this is the opposite of a safety policy. So, Phil, I mean, I think for many listeners, it was interesting for me to watch some of the responses to the focus groups that we're watching. Um, And some of the highest dial testing was on Trump with his kind of law and order, keep the country safe message. Um, But I think, you know, you raised two examples. Um, What he's trying to do with the executive order is not actually prioritize those people who we want to leave the country, who are going after, who, you know, who are criminals, who are the bad guys. Um, He's not doing that. In fact, he's going after families and young people who were brought here from no power of their own. Yeah, and I think it's important for us then to lift up those stories. I think that's what's really going to turn the tide. You know, there's a New York Times article earlier this week about a small town in Kansas that's up in arms after one of its longtime residents from Mexico was picked up after being in the community for decades, being kind of a pillar of the community, you know, running many of the kind of civic events, right? Mm-hmm. And now this, this this small town is now finding mm-hmm. out these are the consequences of these types of policies. And I think we're going to start seeing that all across the country mm-hmm. because I think we're going to see more of these cases, unfortunately. I don't think we're going to be uh, seeing fewer dreamers. I think they're going to go after family members. They're going to go mm-hmm. after everybody they mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, there's a similar story that, that, that really stuck with me was this this father who was picked up after dropping his kid off at school can you imagine right so then so what are the consequences of that right so now now as a parent okay so i've lived in this country for however many years and i would like to keep doing that and raise my children here and be with my children be in the same country as my children who may be american citizens even so what am i going to do i'm going to let my kid walk to school by by him or herself is that a acceptable safety risk i mean these are these are the calculations that our neighbors are making right now and i i think some of that, I, there's almost a kind of a, a Norman Rockwell thing that we need to grab onto, mm-hmm. that we need to own, mm-hmm. that we need to own. You know, if you look at it, even what I was saying before is that this authoritarian thing, this play they're running has mm-hmm. been run throughout time, yep, all over the world. Right? We know right. how this goes, right? And one of the interesting bits of evidence in relatively recent history um, for how this works and how you how you crack down on that, if you, if you talk to the people who overthrew dictators in Eastern Europe, one of the things they'll tell you about is what they call capture the flag, Mm -hmm. which is to say, we got to make clear to everybody that we're about America, that we're about freedom. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting word that, um, freedom, usually, you know, the right has wrapped itself in that for so long. Literally, if you go into the Heritage Foundation, you get on the elevator and the doors (laughs) open and free in giant letters on the back wall of the elevator. It's like one of their things. Mm. Um, but that's not something that they can claim with this guy in the White House at all. And I think that's coming to clearer focus for people. And we need to, we need to really lead with patriotism and American values, maybe not patriotism itself, but really own that, that there is something special about America that we need to be keeping and defending. And is uniquely American, you know, is the story that is possible. You know, I always think back to, you know, 2004, Barack Obama, you know, that we're not a a red America or a Mm -hmm. blue America, Mm -hmm. but a purple America. And just how profound that was. Um, You know, we, we go to church in blue 
states and we, you know, <laughs> yep. we farm in uh, red state. You know, it, it was just such a, a, a awesome moment. And I think we get away from that um, more and more with this president and the rhetoric that we see come, come, coming out. So, Phil, we know that this executive order is going to be the new iteration we're expecting any day. Or when 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 do we expect to see something? I know he's trying to enjoy one good day of press uh, that everybody has decided today is is 45's good day of press. But isn't when that, do we expect? Scary? It? I mean, it is just I, we can't even go back there because again, I told y'all I went to church. I'm trying to have a good day. <laughs> today will be a good day. Yeah. So so as a rule, I try not to really le- read the tea leaves with President Trump because Lord knows that's that's a, a losing experiment. But you know, we're expecting this any day that yeah. they're going to put out a new version of the exact same Muslim and refugee ban. And but they're add saying more states, more countries, possibly add more countries. Mm-hmm. I've heard they're going to take out Iraq. They're going to take out some of the most offensive language in it. But here's the thing. Stephen Miller keeps going on TV and saying, don't worry, it's going to have the exact same effect as the first one. <laughs> right. And it's like they're not even trying to hide the fact right. that their end goal is to stop Muslims from coming to this country, to stop the refugee program whole hog. Mm-hmm. Uh, we published a column this morning talking about the fact that, that part of this executive order which says, well, we're just going to pause refugee resettlement for four months and just how dangerous that is for the most vulnerable people who have mm-hmm. been waiting months, if not years, yep. right? The people fleeing persecution. 24 months on average, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Fleeing, you know, the same people that we are purporting to fight, groups like ISIS, right, mm-hmm. that, that are waiting for us to allow them in and that this is going to send them most pretty much back to square one. So so it's going to have a really devastating effect if, it, if and when it comes out. John, do you think that we're going to see again kind of people out in the streets? The base is there, right? I think the base is starting to see, um, you know, you come for one of us, you come from all of us. You know, the energy from the Women's March as we kick Mm -hmm. off the first day of Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. um, You see groups. I think there's been almost 90 new organizations have sprung up Mm -hmm. since President Trump uh, came into office. Mm -hmm. So there's an energy that's palpable that Mm -hmm. you're starting to feel. Um, and I think that this is one of those defining issues mm-hmm. in a way that I think the immigration community has wanted to see the kind of intersectionality that hasn't always been there. But now you're starting to see all of those forces emerge. Yeah, that's right. And I would hesitate to call it a silver lining, but I, I do think it's true. And we talked about this earlier in the hour that the the biggest, the moment of, the, of Trump's least popularity so far mm-hmm has been at the height of the Muslim ban right. um, fracas. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think I would not be surprised if we get back there again. I think people really do understand now not only the importance of mobilizing, that when we do mobilize, it's not that we're all dirty hippies and, and we're mar- self-marginalizing. It's not that at all. It's very mm-hmm. clear that we are standing up for the values that this country was built on. Um, and the courts are saying that, right, to go back to the lawyers again. Mm-hmm. They're saying that this this quote-unquote travel ban mm-hmm. is, is unconstitutional, is illegal, exactly because you said the point was to ban Muslims, <laughs> and we don't do that. And then we Rudy know Giuliani better in America, said, okay? oh, how do we do a Muslim ban without right? it being right. called a Muslim that's, ban? And that, that is actually, that's not just rhetoric. That is legally admissible in court for a reason, because right. it matters, because it does send it a signal to everybody that says right. we are abandoning our values. That's right. Um, and that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. Okay, so Phil and John, I recognize that this president um, 
um, seems to both receive his news and share news on Twitter. So it has quickly become uh, the go-to for social media um, and communication with this president. And it is just so interesting. That I just remind people that our, our 44, President Obama, was a constitutional law professor mm. who was often accused of being too professorial. And this president speaks in 140 characters or less. Just, 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 I'm just saying. Sad. I'm just saying. Um, but since that president does communicate that way, um, as we get uh, closer to the to the end of this uh, wonderful hour, and it's been great having John Neffinger, uh, communications director from the DNC, and Phil Wogan, managing director of immigration here at the Center for American Progress. If President Trump is checking your Twitter feed after the State of the Union, um, Phil, what would you say to him about what is your response to his address to Congress yesterday? Give me a tweet. (laughs) I think my overall tweet was just, look, stop demonizing immigrants. Immigrants are what make this country great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. All right, John. Uh, Yeah, I'm not. Totally used to speaking in 140 characters. I have like 800 <laughs> followers. You have to. Okay, so number. so you have. So what's your uh, Facebook post? My, so, fa- oh, my Facebook post. There you go. Now we're talking, right? I'll give you more. I know we're Democrats. We think too much. I right? mean, I, I, look, I think we, at speaking as a, you know, okay, this is how I think now is as a strategic communications professional. And I think we have to acknowledge there's a reason that. America exhaled partially when they watched that speech last night. Okay, like, okay, fine. At least he can fake it, right? Mm. Um, and that's that's better than we we weren't sure about that. So at least that's there. Um, but I think we can acknowledge that 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 was even with crazy stuff like the voice program and whatever else in there. Um, if he would even live up to the positive pieces of that speech, it the thing is, it was just a it was totally a facade. Mm. It, mm-hmm. Except for the ugly parts, which unfortunately, I mean, that's the crazy thing. If if he's going to uh, fulfill some promises, why not do some of that other good start stuff? Start Infrastructure and jobs and not start with a muscle You band, said it. Really. Let's try it. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. John Neffinger, Phil Wolgan, thank you so much. Always great being with you. I'll be back next week. And we'll be right back after the break of Talk Media News. is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you and happy to welcome for this segment Ellen Ratner. She's the Bureau Chief for Talk Media News. Ellen, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much. So, What's going on? Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? So let's just first start with the Trump budget. You know, I think that many people uh, have read that we're expecting a budget from Trump. Uh, but there is a major question about how he's going to pay for what's been called one of the largest increases in the Pentagon budget. Where does that money come from? Well, he's claiming it's going to come from his cutting back on EPA, cutting back 37% on the State Department, which would include USAID, et cetera. But we don't really know that that's going to happen. And frankly, that is not going to make up for the billions of dollars 
that goes to the Pentagon, and nobody knows where that money is coming from, particularly because he says he's going to cut back on taxes. Now, it's interesting, uh, Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader in the Senate, basically said, uh, as did Lindsey Graham in the Senate, that the budget was dead on arrival. Which is so, you don't normally hear them speaking out, but, you know, it was interesting, McConnell himself said, you know, listen, diplomatic power is often cheaper bang for the buck. That's exactly right. That why would you go to a war when, in fact, we... Uh, something like one uh, seven of our largest countries, uh, our budget is bigger than all seven combined for the Pentagon. Why would you do that? Yeah. And as one of the members of Congress said to me last night, you know, China's got, what, one or two aircraft carriers? carriers. We have 11. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, that's insane. So kind of staying in that defense space, you know, we, we, we've seen recently that apparently there was a Russian and Syrian airstrike and it was intended for the uh, Islamic State, but that mistakenly hit U.S. backed fighters in Syria. I mean, what's going on there? It just seems like there's there's a lot coming out from the defense side that people aren't really aware of. Well, that's very true, and we don't know, because it just got announced that this happened, exactly why it happened, how they made such a quote-unquote mistake, and why they didn't coordinate with the United States. I mean, that just seems craziness. I mean, I, I, I wonder how many of the American people are watching and saying, you know, are, are we going to continue to give Trump a check? It seems like he doesn't quite understand the complete defense apparatus, but we're giving he wants more money for the budget. We're seeing these airstrikes. It just seems like there's a lot to do. Well, there's certainly a lot to do. And as he said yesterday or the day before, uh, oh, he didn't realize that health care was so complicated. Well, <laughs> guess what? It is complicated. That's right. Ellen Ratner, Bureau Chief Talk Media News. This is Michelle Jawanda on The Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you, and I'll be back soon. Take care.